Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Father God, would you open the word and open our hearts to the word? Lord, we want to really understand. We want to walk with you. We want to obey these things. You're teaching us. You're laying a foundation for us. And we receive it. May we understand. And may I be faithful to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 2. I'll actually start at verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning, the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall do what? They shall prophesy, and your young shall see visions, your old shall dream dreams, and even on my bondservants, both male and female, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall what? Say, they shall prophesy. Say it again. They shall prophesy. People don't have to learn to be spiritual. Because essentially, every one of us is a spirit. This is because God made us in his own image. Please notice, I'm not talking yet about people who are born again. All human beings are spiritual. By virtue of the way God made them. People actually have to be taught not to be spiritual. In the secular Western society in which we live, each of us is trained to deny our spiritual tendencies from the time we are infants. We soon learn to ignore, ridicule, and even fear our spiritual capacities. This has created an odd culture, very much out of step with the rest of the world. Huge portions of the planet consider the spiritual dimension to be as real as the physical dimension. And they engage it daily, one way or another. But not us. Our religious history has soured us and set us at war with God. Frankly, the most secularizing influence of all has been Protestant Christianity. It laughs at the notion that a person today might hear from God. It's filled with doubt and suspicion when confronted by a healing a deliverance, or any other supernatural manifestation. All has become rational, psychological, scientific, deductive. It looks for a rational explanation for everything, and this has been going on and is getting worse for hundreds of years. So it's not easy, even for Western Christians, to hear Peter quote from the prophet Joel and realize that we're included in this promise. When he says, and they shall prophesy, he means us. He means us. He means us. Announcing a new era. 
In response to the miracles taking place on Pentecost morning, a huge crowd gathered. Most were frightened and confused and were asking, what does this mean? Peter answers their question with a strong prophetic declaration. He announces that the last days have arrived and that God is fulfilling his promise to pour out the Holy Spirit. Basically, he says, what you're seeing and hearing is what Joel said would happen. Look, see for yourself, God's people are prophesying. They're full of the Holy Spirit, just as the prophet said they would be. The blessings of the last days have arrived because the Messiah Jesus has come and is now at the Father's right hand, pouring out the Holy Spirit on all who would believe in him. You too can have this gift if you'll repent and believe. He'll do the same for you and your children and even for Gentiles in distant lands. In fact, he will give this gift to every believer until Jesus comes again to rule the earth. That's what he says, isn't it? That's the end of, 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 the end of his, his sermon in chapter 2. He says, repent and believe and, and be baptized in the, in, the, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive this gift. You will receive the promise. For it is for you and your children and for all who are far off, Gentiles all over the planet, even as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. In other words, through this entire season of gathering souls, this promise is for you. Say, this promise is for me. Yes, it is. Now, I want to I I make a point here. Imagine that. Um, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to see Paul picks up this same thing. But this chapter is commonly turned on its head. People take this, this, this statement and actually turn it into a lie. Now, that's all it is. No one, no one who knows anything about just literature, let alone Greek, can say this means anything else. Listen, listen to what Paul says. I'll start at verse 8. He's talking about these, these, these prophetic gifts. He says, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, and of course in the context, he's talking the word of knowledge, it'll be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, not, not part right, part wrong, part lie, part truth, but incomplete. We just don't see all of it. We see a portion of it. It's just, it's not the whole thing. But when the perfect comes, say when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And Paul illustrates this with a common uh, illustration from human life. He says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. In other words, as I matured from childhood into adulthood, I changed. Now, he says, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face... Now I know in part. Then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. When he says we see in a mirror dimly, people don't understand that. They did not have reflective glass. They did not have mirrors like you have. When you look in the mirror, you see more than you want to see. It's, it's HD. I mean, everything is like, oh, man, oh. So. You see everything. What they had for mirrors was polished metal. 
And so often it'll be copper or something like that. So you've got this, you've got, they still find them. So there's a little flat, polished piece of metal with a handle on it. And so you're looking in a, in, in a piece of polished copper. What do you see? You see vaguely you're in there, you know? There's a, oh, yeah, I can, you, you have to look at it. It's, it's not clear. They didn't have bright, shiny anything like that. So when Paul says they see in a mirror dimly, he means you see the outlines of it, you see the basic shapes of things, but the details, the fine points, so much of it's missing. People take that passage and they say, well, see, tongues are supposed to pass away. Prophecy is supposed to pass away. And then they say, when the perfect comes, and they have the gall to say that means the Bible. It does not, and no one who knows anything about the Greek language or what's being said here thinks that can possibly, in, in, in honesty, say that. The word is teleos, and it means exactly what Paul then went on to illustrate. Teleos is a process of moving from the small, immature into the full adulthood. Like a rose starts at a tight little bud, and it grows and it opens up and, and, until it's suddenly this full, beautiful flower. When it's at the full, beautiful flower stage, it has arrived at the teleos. Paul is, it, Paul is saying, now, here in this life, we do not see all that we will see. We do not know all that we will know. Who, he says, these things will pass away. Well, who needs a word of knowledge when Jesus is right there? Go, ask him. Who, who, who needs, who needs, who needs uh, healing when you're resurrected, for heaven's sakes? Who, who needs any of these things? The, this time that we're in will pass away. When the perfect, the complete, when the new age arrives, when Christ arrives, and we resurrected with him, caught up to meet him in the air if we were alive when he arrives, or, or coming with him as an army from heaven. Who needs, who needs that then? You don't. Yes, it'll pass away. When the perfect arrives, when the complete arrives, that's exactly what that means. It's what Peter's saying. The last days are here. This has begun, and it will heal everyone whom he shall call to himself until this age of harvest is over, and the Lord returns again to finish the work. A new capacity. Because the Holy Spirit is now able to indwell believers, the capacity to prophesy is also present. Whether young or old, male or female, All can see and hear what the Spirit is revealing. And all can speak his words. In the Old Testament, this ability was restricted to a selected few. And none had the Spirit indwell them. Here's an illustration of this truth. Go back with me now to to Numbers chapter 11. This is a, a, a remarkable account. Numbers chapter 11. Moses is very frustrated. The people have begun to grumble and they're saying, we don't have any meat to eat. And he's, where they are in Midian, it's now Saudi Arabia, is like the moonscape for heaven's sakes. And so they're complaining there's no meat and then to make matters worse, God has said, I will give you meat. And Moses goes in and says, so, where's the meat coming from? Do you expect us to slaughter our herds? We'll, we'll virtually, to feed this people, we'll slaughter every animal we have just to have one good steak. And God says, no, it's going to come out their nostrils. 
Now, it did. He sent, what did he do? He sent, remember he, what he did is he sent this huge flock of quail and the people did not keep the meat refrigerated. They, they, they delayed on the thing and so they got food poisoning. So you have millions of people. You know, yeah, you're not having meat at food after this service. <laughs> I did this last night and people are going, I don't think I want to go to dinner. And it came out their nostrils. And they're done that. That's literally what he was talking about. So this is, this is the backdrop for this thing. And, and, and Moses is getting tired. He's getting, he's getting fed up with the grumbling and the complaining and the, and, and the attacks against him. And he wants out. He actually asked God to kill him. He said, just take me now. I, I don't want to see my wretchedness. And, and, the, and the Lord says this to him. We'll start at uh, verse 16. The Lord said... Moses, gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand with you. Tent of meeting would be the tabernacle. So these 70 elders are all going to gather at the tabernacle. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit who is upon you. Where is, it? Where is the spirit on Moses? See the word upon? Yes, that's meaningful. The spirit that's upon you, not in you, on you. And I will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you. So that you shall not bear it all alone. And then, then we have the meat event. Let's just move on. Down to verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders and of the, of the people. Stationed them around the tent. Interesting. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to them. And he took the spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. And it came about that when the spirit rested upon them, they did what? See that? When the spirit came on them, they prophesied, but they did not do it again. So this is just, it was an event, but they are now have a spirit on them to make judgment for the people. Two people didn't show up, probably ill, some kind, of, some kind of situation. So two of these elders didn't come. They're still back in camp. But at the same moment, the Spirit came on them, and they began to prophesy in the camp. Joshua is jealous for Moses. He, he's not wild about the whole thing, I think. And, and he says, stop them. And Moses says something amazing there at verse 29. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Read that line with me. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses issues a God-given plea from the heart. Would that all God's people were prophets. Don't for heaven's sakes restrict them. I wish they all could prophesy. Now, here's God's answer. This is the new covenant. This is Jeremiah 31. The Lord says this. I will put my law where? Within them and on their heart. I will write it. And they shall not teach each man his brother saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Sin will be completely removed out and I will come inside. 
and the knowledge of the Lord will be across all of the people. They will see and they will hear. They will see what God is doing. They will hear his voice and they will know and discern the things of God. Every one of them from the least to the greatest. There will be no distinction. I will wipe away the sin. I will fill them and they will all prophesy. All will be full of God and can speak the word of the Lord. Say amen to that, please. How does this gift change us? I'm still reading my handwriting, you know. Something I like about it, I don't know. How does this gift change us? The indwelling Holy Spirit now joins himself to our human spirit. There is no sin barrier separating us anymore. You understand? He has come and joined you. You are spirit. I'm talking to your spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come and joined himself to you. And there is no barrier at all. Immediately, he begins to show us what God is doing. Suddenly, we are able to recognize him at work in ourselves and others. And if these abilities are not repressed by a hostile religious environment, we will mature in these abilities with time and experience. He also opens our spiritual ears so that we can hear his voice. He speaks in a variety of ways, but one way or another, he will communicate to us so that we can understand what he has said. At his discretion, he will reveal to us hidden things. We, would not, we have no natural way of knowing, not to satisfy our curiosity, but so we can carry out his will. Did you notice I said immediately and suddenly? This is not something you sort of grow into. When the spirit indwells you, the radio goes on. When the spirit comes in, the process begins instantly. Children, old, young, it doesn't matter. Horrible past life, doesn't matter. The lights are on. The spirit's there. And he begins to reveal the heart of God. I'll show you why. In this way, we become his servants, carrying out his wishes as he reveals them to us. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Paul says, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, meaning they pass away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What are the temporal things? The things of this world. What are, they, what are the eternal things? This spiritual world. Paul says we see the things of the spirit. God has opened our eyes. We now see all of life differently. We now understand and see and perceive and function in a spiritual dimension that we may not understood, but now we see it accurately. God has opened our eyes. Listen to Jesus, chapter 5 there of John. Truly, truly. I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. How much did Jesus say he could do apart from the father? All right, now, you're going to read it, you're going to have it said, and it somehow comes naturally to our brains that Jesus did the miracles he did because he was the second person of the Trinity. 
I mean, of course he did. He put on a human body, came down, and bzz, magic tricks. He can, and he can do anything he wants. Not so. Not so. He indeed is the second person of the Trinity, but Paul, it's clearly stated. He took off his privileges, laid them aside like a coat. He became a man. And what you see Jesus doing, hang on to this, what you see Jesus doing, he did as a man baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he showed us what we're capable of. Now, what does that tell you? How little we use of what's been given to us. How little we use. Jesus says, I can, in this situation now, do nothing of, the son can do nothing of himself unless he sees the father doing it. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. He's moving prophetically. So Jesus, as he functioned, he didn't just heal whoever he happened to come across. He healed those he saw the Spirit healing. He he, He didn't do a work that he just thought up. He did what he saw the Spirit doing. He was in a responsive mode, being led by the Spirit, day by day and moment by moment. Is that clear? He even says elsewhere, and I, I've got a whole bunch of these references, but he says, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. He was, in all he was doing, he was listening and following prophetically the Holy Spirit. Now, look at the next pa- pa- passage there. John 15 that I quote. He says to you and me, you are my friends. No longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know what his master's doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. As I will now tell you all things. I will now show you. I will now lead you. I will now speak to you. As my father's spoken to me, I speak to you. Just as Jesus responded to the Father's leading, now we do what we see Jesus doing and speak what we hear him saying. You and I cannot function as God intended us to function without this. Some practical observations. Functioning prophetically is a capacity that must be exercised or it withers. In other words, use it or lose it. The the, the capacity doesn't cease to exist, but it withers. It declines. Sometimes we've had seasons in our lives when God was speaking a lot and we moved and we stepped out in these things. But that's a long ago memory. Somehow things have come along and pushed it out of our lives. And we kind of remember those days, but it isn't happening anymore. It can be stirred up. I actually had this happen with me. I had decided that I, I just, I felt like I can't, I can't preach and prophesy and do, I mean, this is a one-man show. It's, no, we're going to do that. So I just, I just kind of set it aside, and it withered. And then they asked me if I would pray for the new MTC grads. Um, several of us would be in a team, and as they graduated, we would lay hands on them, and we were to prophesy. We were to wait and prophesy over each one. Well, there I was again, you know. So, okay. And sure enough, as I listened, as I turned my attention back to the Spirit, saying, well, now, Lord, we can do this. Show me, what you, show me this. 
here it came again. And then as you, the more you do it, the more it flows. Now, I'm not talking about making stuff up. I'm just talking about you open the ear. You just open the ear. And, and the more you step out, the flow comes back. There's a, there's a prophetic flow. You begin to hear again afresh. It becomes much more easy. It is a capacity that must be humbly submitted to judgment by the word and tested by others. No one is above being evaluated. The Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. No prophetic word, no insight ever will surpass this. This judges all things. If, if it doesn't fit this, if it's out of line with this, it is simply wrong. This is a God-breathed document. This is, it's, it's in a class by itself. It's in a class by itself. So whatever is brought, I and anyone around is testing it with a word, and, and secondly, I need to be open to be evaluated by others. I was at a meeting probably two years ago now. It was in Virginia. And uh, it, was, it was pastors and, and, and leaders in our movement. And we were having an argument. Imagine this. Um, and I was involved. Um, imagine that. And, uh, and I will tell you, since so you won't speculate, what were we arguing over? We were arguing over whether or not the local churches should... should should have to tithe in our movement. Something we've done since our foundations. We've, our church, you know that, tithes. Um, as, and, and should we do that? And is that legalism? And we, we had all kinds of discussion. And, and I, I had said in this gathering, um, I had said, I stood at one point and I, and, and I really felt the Lord. And I said, I'm, I'm just, I feel in my, my spirit. The Lord is saying that no one is required to tithe. Not our churches, not our people. I said, we're not under the law. But I said, the Lord has promised that he will bless the tithe. He has. So we can choose to enter into it, and we have as a movement, historically. And it's also a, it's a form of worship. It is, it is, it is truly, a, you step in and you worship God as your source. And he honors it and blesses you for it. And I said, I think that if we remove this, that we will actually impoverish our movement. One, one leader said, stood up and said, there you go, Steve, playing the God card. Now, I'm serious. I did not make that up. And I, I still marvel at it. I, you know, I, I thought, well, yeah. Um, didn't know he was off limits, you know. Anyhow, but I wasn't trying to do anything. I didn't stand with an angry spirit. It wasn't me kind of, I'm going to tell you guys off, you little pinheaded idiots. I, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't. I really felt moved to God, and I stood up, and I said, I just feel I need to say this. I feel the Lord has asked me to say this. And I said it, and there you go, playing the God card. And then another leader, it was, it was sitting right over there, um, he, he, he said to me, so Steve, can we test this word? And he was, he was just challenging me. I went through my, my brain, exactly what I'm saying to you today. And I said, of course you can. And I sat down. Several days later, he, he, he emailed me. He said, I feel terrible. He says, I have been miserable since I said that. He said, would you please forgive me? See, I didn't respond in kind. What I did is, I know the, I know the word. What's the word say? 
Let every word be tested. You betcha. Can this gathering of pastors and leaders, do they have a right to test the word? You, they have a responsibility to test the word. Absolutely you may test this. And if it's false, it's false. Nobody is above being tested. Nobody's above being tested. It, 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 that humility, that willingness to allow, uh, to, to humbly, come on, people. No one is 100% sure when you move in the Spirit. It's always by faith. You're always listening. I believe this is the Lord. I think this is the Lord. But there's a tenderness that has to be there. Anyone who's just absolutely knows what they're saying, they're idiots. I mean, they are. They, they, they're deceived. They're, they're megalomaniacs. I don't know what's wrong with them. I've walked this thing for 50 years, and it, it didn't come like that. I know how this works. You know how this works. There's a humility. There's a tenderness. And the protection is in, 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 in the submitting to the, to the family, in the submitting to one another, in listening together, we hear the mind of the Lord. Thirdly, it's a capacity that relies deeply on a person's integrity and courage. Integrity and courage, bad character spoils this gift. There is a fine line between our flesh and the spirit. Between we, what we desire to say and what God is actually saying. This is where the thing breaks down. You know you've had this experience where you're saying, I, you, you've got this sense of what the Lord wants to say, and then he stopped somewhere and you kept going. You know that there's moments you want desperately him to say something, don't you? And, and then, you, then there's this feeling inside, will I say it? I'm not sure it's him, but I sure want him to say this. Will I say it? Come on, that's manipulation. People do it all the time. They do it all the time. Thus say the Lord. You know, and they're controlling people. It's, it's whack-a-mole. I mean, they're hitting everybody over the head with the word of the Lord. Getting in it's, and what does it do? It sours the whole thing so that people despise the word of the Lord. There's nothing more precious than the word of the Lord. There's nothing more healing than the word of the Lord. Some of the keys to your life will come prophetically. You can spend years in counseling and one word from the Lord will go into your heart touch a point that no one knew was there you didn't know was there and suddenly you're healed I have watched this happen I've watched this happen simply by the body ministering to one another a word comes forth and somebody somebody is in tears and something of, of, of that's been bound in them for years is released and healed because the, the, the word of the Lord came we long for the word of the Lord we love the word of the Lord when we follow the word of the Lord is when things open up. We must not let it be taken from us because there are people who are immature, who are egotistical, who are insecure, who use it for all kinds of self-affirmation. I get that, but we can't let them take it. Learning to recognize the Lord's leading is the key to every aspect of blessing. Healing and health, and I make a distinction. Guidance, protection, Family relationships, success at work, all forms of ministry. It's when we do what he tells us to do, speak what he tells us to speak, that we see the release of his power. I pray for 
I have no idea how many people. And I, I, I you know, I, I pray good prayers, hallelujah. And, and I say stuff ought to get said. It is when I actually get a word of the Lord and I actually pray accordingly or do what I've shown that something happens. And that has been true all my life. And I'll bet you if you reflect in your life, it was when you knew what he said, you did what he said, that the miracle happened. The answer came. It's the testimonies, the stories you tell years later going, let me tell you what God did. And it almost, if you, go, if you look back at your life, it happened because he showed you something and you did what he showed you. That's when the real stuff starts happening. Prophetic revelation is given when a church worships. Always. This is what Paul talks about in Corinthians 12. I'm not taking you there. But, but he says, he's talking about the gathered worshiping church, and he says the Holy Spirit comes and he distributes his gifts as he wills. He, he, to one he gives this, to another he gives this, to another he gives this. He's talking about the worshiping church. When the anointing comes, so does the word of the Lord. The shepherd is walking among his flock, caring for his sheep. Isn't it beautiful? When we, when we worship and his sweetness comes over us, he starts touching you and me. He speaks to us corporately. He speaks to us individually. The shepherd is caring for his flock. Prophetic revelation comes in a variety of different forms. Word of wisdom, that's when you suddenly have God's perspective. Word of knowledge, that's revealed information. Guidance in healing. Let me stop there for a second. Learning to let the Lord show us what to do and follow him, just as he said he followed the Father. Learning to follow in healing is a key to answered prayer. I'm thinking of a time praying for, for a man. We'd been called to pray for him, and I believe it was we were to pray for his lower back. I think, that was the, I think that's what we were there for, if I recall. And um, we'd been listening to things on this, and we said, so we, we came and we said, now, we'll pray for you, but we're going to just stand here, and we're just going to wait and then watch to see what the Holy Spirit does, and then we'll, we'll go with that, okay? We'll follow him. Okay, so he's sitting there, you know, and we're just praying and waiting on the Lord. And <laughs> we haven't, nobody's touched him or done anything. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, oh. Oh, man. He said, my neck. He said, my neck was healed. I said, did you have a bad neck? He says, yeah, I had a bad neck. Yeah. Wow. He goes. I said, I said, I said, what happened? He said, I have my knee. It doesn't hurt anymore. I thought, Lord, we're here for the back. Not, <laughs> you missed, you know. I didn't say that. It just seemed funny. But he. Do you know that we walked out of there? He was healed of a neck thing, that he, chronic neck, and a, and, a, and a knee issue that he'd had, and his back didn't get healed. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is, you follow. God does what God does, and he's doing stuff. And it's when we come in along behind him and follow, that's when the wonders begin to happen. I promise you, try this. Try this. You'll see for yourself. 
God does not restrict prophetic revelation to church gatherings. The same revelation is available whenever we ask. See, when, you, when this prophetic process opens up inside, when I begin to listen to God, I listen to God at work, I listen to God at school, it doesn't mean you cheat on your tests. I, I listen to God I, in any situation I am. I, I know somebody that would pray over cars. He's a mechanic. Head in, the, head in the engine, goes, Lord God, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Would you show me, please? And he gets a word of knowledge. He's one of the best mechanics. Yeah. People go, how do you figure that stuff out? The Joseph phenomenon, I use that reference. Joseph was exalted in position. I'm telling you, when you move in the prophetic, it promotes. Here is all of Egypt. He has a prophetic word, seven lean years, seven fat years, followed by seven lean years. Then when it happened, God gave him a word of wisdom. Here's how we should handle this. We should, we should take and put, save this amount. We should do this amount, do this amount. Pharaoh says, well, who knows better than you? He becomes the governor of Egypt on the prophetic. Do you see it? Well, it works anywhere. And you don't, you, don't, you don't get funny, you don't get hyper-spiritual, you don't get weird on people, but you're moving in the true spiritual. You are spiritual. You don't force this. You don't, have to, you don't have to get anything stylistic. You just turn on the hearing. You open up the eyes. You begin to say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And you just start moving in those things. Receiving the prophetic. The capacity was neglected for 1,500 years and today is still harshly opposed by certain groups. It's time to study the word carefully and let it be restored. Please say amen. amen. This capacity has been abused by immature and dishonest people. Its reputation is nearly ruined in some sections of Christianity. It's time healthy, humble people learn to prophesy. Please say amen. amen. This capacity has been taken as a mark of superiority and allowed only to those who call themselves prophets. Yes, there are people who have the ministry of the prophet. This is the way God often uses them, but the gift of prophecy is not restricted to such people. It's time we realize the giver of all gifts dwells within each of us. You might say amen right there. We gladly receive the ministry of prophets, but that doesn't mean we give away our capacity to prophesy. Prophetic revelation should be available locally, as should healing. A person should not have to travel great distances to find someone who can effectively pray for healing, deliverance, or speak the word of the Lord. Please say amen. amen. How can I learn to prophesy? Constantly read the Bible. You learn to think the way God thinks. That, there's just no dispensing with that. Reading the word, even if you don't understand it, just keep reading and filling yourself with the word of God. Secondly, step out. Be humble in the way you present a word. There's a great difference between thus saith the Lord and I believe I hear the Lord saying, please test this in your own heart. There's a huge difference. Number three, we all have different voices in our heads. The flesh and the enemy. It takes trial and error to distinguish the Lord's voice. But this is not a problem if we do this in a community where elders, I mean people older than you in the Lord, know the word, can correct us. And if we remain humble and teachable, pride stops all growth immediately. Look, we all have different voices. 
This is how people become axe murderers. Well, Lord God told me to kill them all, you know. Something did. And if you don't know what you're doing and you start sort of going back into the mind, you'll hear really strange things. We all do. So learning to walk in the prophetic is learning to distinguish between these voices and hopefully we not trial and error learning by axe murdering. But we, we learn to, to, to say, Lord, is that you? To test the whole matter. To, to, you, you, you begin to recognize God's voice. And the more you read the word, frankly, the more you recognize, well, I know him and he wouldn't do that. See, you could come and tell me, well, now your wife just said, you know, she wants to blow up, the, you know, the bank. Well, I, I would say, you know, I know her pretty well. And I don't think she'd do that. I just know her. She's not going to do that. That's stupid. It hardly needs prophetic revelation. Well, when you, when, you, when, when you know God like that, when you know his ways, some of the things are just off the wall. You know what he does. You know how he thinks about these matters. He's not going to say that. So it just, it just cuts through the malarkey, just, just like that. This isn't that hard. But you learn to, to, to just ignore certain voices and to open up and listen to others. Okay, that's the voice of the Lord. Why should I pay the price to learn? Because all of us need to hear from God. It's not enough to just act on biblical principles or remember great things he did in the past. Every generation needs to know that he's alive and present among them. Every generation needs to see his wonders and hear his voice for themselves. Jesus paid such a price to make this possible. Why would we not pay the price to receive it? Would you stand with me? When Peter said, they shall prophesy, who was he talking about? Lord says, I will pour forth of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters, my male servants and my female servants, the young and the old. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest, says the Lord, for I'll dwell inside of them. I will come and they will, I will, they will become my living tabernacle. And I call you friends, says Jesus. You're not slaves. I call you friends. For a, for a slave doesn't know what his master's doing. But he says, now, I will show you. As the Father's shown me, I will show you all that he's shown me. I want you to know. I want to reveal. I want to guide you. I want to speak to you. I want to speak through you. I want to show you what I'm doing so that you can come and do with me these things so that great things can be done so that my hand can move in power through you. Not one of us in this room. You belong to Jesus Christ. This is yours. This is yours. It's yours now. It's something we simply begin to say, okay, God, I, I open up. Teach me. Teach me. I choose to walk in the prophetic. If you want to pray with me, would you just pray after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit who has come to dwell inside me. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, show me 
the things of God. I yield to you. I trust you. Teach me to discern your voice. Give me courage. Give me the integrity to speak your word. I am a spiritual being. I am full of God. And I can function in all the gifts of the Spirit. For the giver of all gifts dwells within me now. And I am grateful. In Jesus' powerful name, I proclaim this. And I thank you, Father, for all that you will do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.